The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful, scorching, sexy Studio City, California, this is the Knapsack Files. I'm Ken Knapsack, your host for this show about life, the universe, and everything. And this is our 50th official episode, not counting a two, uh, two bonus track episodes we released. This is our official 50th. And I am very happy to have this guy on because I've had a secret list in my mind of people in my life. I'm like, I would like to talk to that person and find out a little bit more and put it down in microphone form. And let everyone kind of get to enjoy and learn about this person too and and this is uh, so he he's agreed to come in tonight and then it was kind of a last minute booking and i'm so happy to have this man he is brandon taylor though a lot of you out there listening might know him as the hobo southern california's finest uh, wrestling hobo and one of the best uh, uh, independent pro wrestlers around i'm gonna say well I, and you're gonna I take appreciate it that. you're gonna take it <laughs> <laughs> and this is also one of the only times um well, you're being Brandon. Yeah, I'm not the other guy, which is uh, weird. I'm kind of happy to be number 50. At least it sort of sticks out as being, as far as guests go, I'm like a yeah. landmark guest at number 50. You you have uh, you have that honor. And again, seriously, uh, I, I look around uh, my, my list of friends, so to speak, and people I know or have worked with, and you have, uh, we are not uh, close by any means. And I, that's what's fun. A lot of, I bring a lot of real, my close best right. friends and people yeah. know. You're someone I, I've worked around. And at best, we're, we're workplace acquaintances, but it's a shame because I, have, from afar, have just admired you <laughs> from day one. I'll tell the story quickly how we met. I, I got back into pro wrestling in 2010 with Paul Ventimiglia and I uh, bringing back Millennium Pro Wrestling. And we did a, a, a partnership, brief as it was at the time, with uh, – Ryan Katz's school, Smiley School, uh, GQ Money School. He has so many, so many uh, personas. Uh, make me a pro wrestler. He had the school going on. Scott Mendelson had this ring, a boxing ring, turned into a wrestling ring. And Scott Mendelson's a world record power lifter. And there was all these guys coming out of Katz's school. And I want to talk to you too about how you oh, got yeah. into wrestling. But Katz is so great, and he's he's working for WWE now as associate producer. So great at cultivating characters because he is one himself. Yeah. So you come out of it. You're a wrestling hobo. Mm-hmm. Good gimmick. And you know what? Uh, I've, I've seen some other ones too. But you made it so compelling early on that me, Dan Farron, and a lot of the other guys were like, there's something about this kid. He knows how to tell a story beyond just being pro, a pro wrestler. Yeah. And come to find out, yeah, you there, you are multifaceted study psychology. You, uh, you've been <laughs> yeah. married at a young age, which uh-huh. fascinates me because I can't commit to even that glass of water over I there. I know a lot of guys who just can't, you know. <laughs> I won't commit to other things, but a, a woman I can commit to. I yeah. don't know why. She's she's a partner more than anything. Well, yeah, and she's, you know, worked with you at the ring a little bit, the right. ballet, too. Yeah. And you can see, too, she, she, back even from day one, you know, you guys had such a good partnership, it seemed, and supportive, yeah. and, and you can tell. Um, and then you're I come to find out too. I didn't even know until uh, towards the end of the run of MPW that you're also an actor as well and have done some stuff on stage. Very reluctant actor. <laughs> well, was, there you go. I was talking with my mom about this the other day. I uh, I had a leading role. Uh, mm-hmm. It must have been oh god, was it a year ago? It was more more than a year ago. It was, right. it was like last February. I had a leading role in a show for the first time in a long time. Right. And uh, I was just so good. It, like it made a lot of people mad. <laughs> 
Because it's like, what are you doing wasting this talent in the wrestling ring? What is wrong with you? That's made that's even more fascinating to me. And I don't I don't doubt that you're good. So let's go back to let's go back to the start. Sure. Um, before even uh, growing up, what were your interests? What were your influences? And how did you end up where you are now as a wrestler slash actor slash psychology slash major slash, slash, <laughs> slash host on the AfterBuzz TV network? Yeah. Um, I, I young age, I just mm. sort of bounced around a lot. I've lived mm. in the valley forever, the San Fernando Valley, valley all boy. my life. But in like up and down in different parts. Like I, yeah. I was, I was like grew grew up in North Hollywood. Then then I moved to Sherman Oaks, and then I moved to Granada Hills and Silmar, and just that's the yeah, gamut all over the valley. So yeah. I really I like the valley. Yeah. I know it really well by now. Yeah. Um, and I just. I don't know. The early years are, are sort of a mystery to mm-hmm. me, just because I don't remember a lot. It may have been by choice. <laughs> um, not that they were particularly bad. It was just difficult, you know. Difficult because my my parents split up, and mm. and then I sort of just that's that's where I started to bounce around. You yeah. Know? And my my parents sort of they tried to live close, but it, they were separate and. I lived with my grandparents. Uh, my mom had been next door to my grandparents, so right. I was really close with them. But then they passed mm. uh, when I was fairly young. So so it wasn't like you had a lot of pain. It just you had a lot of things to work through, get through, and you're wandering the valley. Yeah, it sounds like some kind much. of some kind of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, that's about right. Uh, wandering the valley. And what? Where did, when? At what point did you start to focus on? Uh, I mean, you're a pretty fit guy. You're you're, you're I wasn't. You work out a lot. So it that, took, so you took weren't a lot to get here. I was okay. as a kid. I was real heavy because I had mm. asthma. I still do. Oh, okay. My entire life. So it's it's limited a lot of the a lot of the, the physical aspects of mm-hmm. my life when I was younger. Gotcha. Because uh, it wasn't under control. You're as, like some regular well. Teddy Roosevelt. Sort you know? of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. My mom told me that. I was like, what in a way? Yeah. Um, but it's that mm. was difficult. And so, but I, as a result, I was heavier gotcha. because the, the medications that they put you on are steroids. Mm. So at a, like a super young age, I'm already on steroids and I mm. can't, I can't go outside and run and stuff because I'm wheezing all the time. Right. So I just I I was always a husky kid. Gotcha. And it didn't change until of of uh, seven oh god seven years ago. Okay. Um, that I I actually started to to lose weight and change my my very just, much my outward physical appearance. Just getting getting older and getting more mature into. Uh, I mean, you're still a young man by sort the way, of. By the way, yeah. No, or, or, I, I or was it something you focused on? Was it like wrestling or something that you're like, all right, I got to get ready for this? Um, it it really didn't have anything to do with wrestling at the time, although mm-hmm. it sort of it kind of moved into that quite nicely. Sure, it was my my wife and I mm-hmm. were had just started dating. Okay, and uh, we'd hit a rough patch because we were we uh, did the long distance thing we did a long oh distance i didn't know thing. that okay yeah. for a really long time she yeah. was up at school in stockton california at mm-hmm. uh, university of pacific so it was a, this huge gap between us and then the the distance started growing and there was a problem that she and i had mm-hmm. um and uh 
at the, as a result, the stress was so much that I couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And so the weight just started falling, falling off of me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Nothing like relationship stress diet. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I figured after that happened, I figured, well, I, I kind of know better now what not to do. Right. And I started working on it actively. And I finally went from 250 at that point. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. That was at my biggest. I was 250. And I got all the way down to one, uh, 165 was my lowest. Wow. Which is really low. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably too low. And now, yeah. I mean, now you're a healthy man. You're a healthy wrestler. Yeah. Um, I've, I've definitely started to put weight back on, but in a, in a better way. <laughs> okay. Although the recent high holidays have left me very carbo bloated. <laughs> when did you start focusing on, on professional wrestling? That was that was five years ago. Just um, five years ago? As it started only... wanting to do it? Well, I mean,. I've always wanted to do it ever ever since I was in high school, even before that. As a kid watching wrestling, I went, I know exactly what's going on. Yes. <laughs> like, it wasn't It wasn't one of those things of, oh, my God, this is real. It was, oh, my God, this is a show. Because my mom was an actress. Gotcha. Um, an actress and a singer. Uh, but she she never really made it big. But she did mm. smaller stuff. So I, I'd been around actors and people like that. And mm. I knew that this was a show. Yeah. But it was, like, the biggest show. Yeah. And these guys were, were, like, larger than life. They were more mm-hmm. than men. They were icons they were legends and i i really wanted to be that who, who were some of your influences growing up specifically uh, well specifically and and this isn't going to come as a big surprise it was foley was yeah. like my biggest influence mick foley for those yeah. out there i know we don't have uh the audience this isn't a wrestling show right by the way. we're right. gonna get out there well you know but so <laughs> I'm, I'm sure some of your fans are tuning in and right. some of my fans are coming in going oh we're all talking wrestling uh mick foley cactus jack uh dude love and the gang yeah uh absolutely uh so but yeah. but that didn't that doesn't translate to your wrestling style too much. I mean, um, it, smartly. Right. It's, <laughs> it's more intelligent. He was very selective with the with the wrestling he did. He always yeah. told a story. And he his did. promos were spectacular. It just every time he just that's, got me on the hook with his promos. Still, still, still to this day. Yeah, look, you know, that's funny you say that. Uh, um, I wouldn't have necessarily predicted that Mick Foley, just based on your wrestling style, though, yeah. like I said, Mick's a very smart wrestler. I loved an ECW when he uh, threw off the hard card hardcore stuff and just worked arm locks for yeah. 15 minutes to gain heat but um <laughs> his storytelling was so compelling and that is the biggest trait of you look you you got the great gimmick now the hobo and i have one of your shirts i wear proudly and, you. and uh, you're currently a the heritage champion over mm-hmm. there uh, championship wrestling from hollywood yep. and uh, you you wrestled for us at mpw for a couple years but watching you closely in mpw you're such a compelling storyteller and that was what mick had Still has yeah. if he wanted to. If yeah. he was a manager now or something and came on. He, he So your promos, now that I'm thinking about it here on air, yeah, there's a similar strain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were a hobo working out in the, 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 the alley. Yeah. But, but you still, you, you have, um, you've mastered that side of the craft. How did you get to that point? Did you always have that? Because for me, you kind of always had that. I, I It was weird. I, uh, I almost always did. Um, I believe it. The first promo I cut on screen mm. was was good enough that people went, "Whoa, that's like yeah. a young Jake the Snake Roberts." <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I was I was I just figured it out. I don't know how, but I just figured out how to use your words to mm-hmm. tell a story when most wrestlers are just so focused on what happens in the ring mm-hmm. as far as, you know, telling the story with with the moves set and everything yeah. like that. I was I was one of the guys who goes, you you need both. You really need both if you want to make it on TV. I get really frustrated watching 
some wrestling now, indies, um, and even 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 the big shows. But uh, watching some of the indies and some even the guys uh, on TV here locally, where I'm like, if if you you have the look, you have the skill, and you couldn't take one acting class to learn yeah. how to talk on that mic, you know. The, so you, but that factors back to your childhood. Where yeah. early on, you're like, oh, it's a show. It's a show. I yeah. gotta learn. Um, but uh, nobody knows how to teach it around here either. Nobody knows how to teach a yeah. promo. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm I'm starting to figure out how to do for other guys that just, I see that teach. need help. Yeah, mm. like if I'm if I'm working with some of the younger guys down at the the championship wrestling from Hollywood School, yeah, I'll start we'll start talking promos and I'll tell them here's what you got to do to make it better. And it's it's basically just recycling what what has happened and sure it sure and have an influence. Current. What, what do you, then what do you look for without giving away your trade secrets uh, that you can teach in a DVD for sale for yeah. 1995? <laughs> Um, how do you approach your promos when you're coming up with something? You know, Hobo, here's the storyline that you're going to tell today. Go for it. You know, what do you got? How do you approach it? Um, you sort of have to look at, at who you're cutting it against. And you look mm. at their actions in the ring and perhaps the story that they're trying to tell as well as the mm. story that you're trying to tell. And then you actually have to tell that story. Like every match is a story, but now you actually have to use your words to tell the story. But also understand that there's a a difference between that guy's point of view mm-hmm. and your point of view, which is also the difference between face and a heel. A heel yeah. always thinks they're right, but their actions are wrong because they're wrong, but in their mind, they're fine. Right. And you can, I mean, it's the, the same being a good guy. Your actions mean one thing, mm-hmm. and the, the heels means something else, and their actions can mean something different to you, and something that happened in the ring means something different to you than it does to them and it's it's sort of all relative and you started that explanation by saying you look at your opponent and you talk look at what he's trying to accomplish and you work basically what you're saying is you work together to get that story over in both right. in the promo and in the ring i think that's what a lot of young wrestlers forget it's all about getting yourself over it's all about getting your moves in right but we, don't don't know. trash the other guy right that's a, that's so much of what i see they put the other guy down and there's one one line I heard and one rule that I, I mm-hmm. stick to very much, and it's you're only as good as the man you beat. So right. if the man you beat is nobody, then you beat nobody. Congratulations. <laughs> you, look, you look at what Paul Heyman's doing right now and this this probably his final run of WWE, his final legacy capping run, yeah. is every one of his promos is about Cena, you're great, but X, Y, and Z. Right. Undertaker, you're great, but we're going to do this. Piper always says that too. Like, you don't don't thrash thrash that guy because you got to you know, like right. you said, exactly the point. And you know, if you if he beats you or you beat him and it means nothing, then it meant nothing. So that's part of that storytelling too. And it seems you've grasped that from early on. How did you come up with the the hobo gimmick? Uh, that was Cats, uh, Ryan Cats. He, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to mm-hmm. what my uh, what I wanted my persona to be, and yeah. sort of everybody else got theirs. Uh, Haynes Classic got his, and everybody else got Loved theirs. Loved Haynes Classic. He's coming back. Is he? He's moving back. He's going to be reporting the news in uh, in Palm Springs. Get out of here. Yeah. So Joe. Yeah. Joe Galley. I still will be have on the news. I still have some f- uh, friends and family who came to some shows when we were at Yankee Doodles. Who Haynes nice. Classic is their, their like? Is that guy in the underwear coming back? <laughs> We're not going to shows unless the guy in the underwear is coming back. He can't be that guy anymore because, you know, (laughs) on TV, TV that doesn't doesn't work out. Um, But, yeah, Katz gave me the gimmick, and I went – actually, I went to him and went, what should I do? Because Mm -hmm. whatever I am going to be, I know I am going to be the 
the best version of that, yeah. which is a bold statement for a guy who's looking for his first gimmick. But yeah. I knew me. I knew how to make characters from mm-hmm. doing acting in high school. Yeah. I, I knew how to make a character. And he said, well, you're not the most clean-cut guy in the world. you got kind of a different look about you. <laughs> a lot of facial hair coming Yeah, there, a lot yeah. of facial hair, a lot of body hair. A lot of body hair, yeah. He said, so why don't, why don't you be a hobo? And I went, okay, I'll be a hobo. And I, I did just all the research and everything. You research, well, wait, what, what research did you do? Did you go live on the street for a night? Or? No, <laughs> but go that far? I, I didn't go that far. I wasn't going method on this one. <laughs> you weren't Daniel Day-Lewis? No, I was not Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I, but I, I did a lot of online research and okay. just looking into stuff. And there's a big difference between hobos and bums that a lot of people don't understand. A bum just lives on the street, but a hobo travels for work. So that's that's a that's it's a kind of like point. a wrestler. It really, it yeah. Kind of an wrestler. Uh, all wrestlers are hobos. They travel. Uh, they travel to these points of of almost no consequence for a little bit of money. I've been around your character now for four or five years, and now yeah. you've just added a layer to it that I didn't know existed. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So you get this gimmick, and, and look, anytime you, you've you, the fans love you. They react to you and have, and if it if it sounds like I'm out there, uh, I get sometimes critics saying I, I kiss my guest ass too much. It's because yeah. I have so much admiration for what I've seen right. you do in a tough, just say, tough business. You see something special in the people that you invite on your show. You are enthusiastic <laughs> I, about it, I hope. and so there. Um, yeah, but yeah, the fans love you. Even when we back in MPW, maybe had nothing for you right away. Yeah, like, uh, all right, yeah, Hobo's gonna wrestle. Uh, you know, get Specter. He goes over. Fans love. Yep, that train whistle hit, and you come out. The yeah. fans are like, "It's that guy. We yeah. like this guy." I'll tell you, it's it's in large part because I interacted with all the audiences before mm-hmm. the shows. I would actually panhandle and ask for money. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Describe that in detail because that is one of the things we loved about you. I just on. I would put on my my gear. I would do the stuff to my teeth, and uh, I would go out and just ask people for money and interact with the crowd. And a lot of people didn't know right away that right. I was a wrestler. They just thought I was some guy who managed to sneak his <laughs> way into the building. And then as soon as I hit the ring, they were like, hey. <laughs> but it wasn't in a negative way. I always assumed somebody was going to come up to me after a show and seriously go, give me my fucking money back, you <laughs> liar. Um, but it never happened because yeah. they were like, I gave that guy a dollar. I want him to win because I gave him a dollar. It was <laughs> genius. It was genius. It seems so like a simple concept. Oh, he's a hobo. He should beg for money. But you went out and actually did it. It was it was interactive theater. But yes, you're absolutely right because I even had some friends who didn't know. And I wouldn't tell them. Right. And they'd be like, dude, I gave that guy like 75 cents. And then he's in the ring. And now like, I wanted that. So you're exactly right. So you came up with that idea to start yeah, doing it? Yeah, I did. It was on the, the very first show uh i ever wrestled my debut show it was a small audience it was just uh just friends and family type of deal yeah and i i just went out before the show and i decided well i gotta i gotta panhandle that's it and uh and it was it was cool that all of the people that were there to see me absolutely play along with it because i did i did the different voice and I, i i did everything differently where'd you come up with the hobo voice (laughs) <laughs> I came up with the voice as I was walking to the ring 
through a Cuban restaurant that we neighbored because uh, you'd have to walk around the block from oh, the back of the building. Yeah. So I walk in through this Cuban restaurant, and I'm thinking to myself, well, nobody is going to believe me if I go up to them like this and ask for change. Hey, you got you got a dollar? Like, nobody would give me nobody. a dollar. I wouldn't give me a dollar. Right. So instead, I'm like, well, I got I to gotta change this voice. Well, what would this guy sound like? And, I, yeah. I, and for some reason, I don't even know how I got there. I... I I started out by being Scruffy the janitor from Futurama. Scruffy the yeah. janitor. And it was all the way down there. Yeah. And uh, over time, it's it's changed a little bit so I can get some volume gotcha. and some, some larger range with it because it's just so hard keeping it all the way down there. <laughs> and, and you and you and when you host on AfterBuzz, you, you stay as the hobo. Yeah. It's your thing, man. You, I, you, I figure I'm not trying to sell me. I'm trying to sell him. So yeah. why would I be me and then plug the thing I'm trying to sell? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, especially yeah, it was such a drastic switch, too. We're like, hi, welcome. I'm Brandon. Uh, this this Saturday, I'll be the hobo. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Would be it would it would kill it. I I like the fact that this guy is almost the only time you really see him is when he's he's at the show, and that's the only, yeah. it's like meeting the Undertaker. You don't want to meet Mark Calloway. You want to meet the Undertaker, right? right? So you right. want to meet the Hobo. You don't want to meet Brandon. Yeah. And I don't get as a result the the change being what it is. I don't get recognized a lot, which is which kinda is nice. kind of nice. You like that too, then? Kind of. It yeah. allows me to sort of step away. Although I, I think I might have gotten recognized. Last week, there was this kid who just was staring me down with this look on his face, like, I know you. Where the hell do I know you? And uh, he was looking at something wrestling related. I'm yeah. like, that kid probably does probably know knows. me. And it's probably going to bug him to death <laughs> to try and figure out, is that the hobo? Is that really him? Maybe. You, you have uh, grown and consistently improved to the point where now you've been given a, a, a the respect of a championship belt, uh, which we can sit here and downplay that, hey, look, the, they're, they're props to tell stories. But it means a lot when a promoter or a booker gives you a title. So tell, take me through that journey these last five years. Um it's it's been difficult mm. uh because of I like to, I like to hear that truth. Yeah. I mean because of the gimmick. Yeah. Uh in a lot of ways it's it's like my bread and butter but then it's it's what holds me back from attaining mm. championships because yeah. I'm I'm such a comedy guy and I don't need the belt in order to get over. Everywhere yeah. I go I'm True. over because I'm just me. I don't need the belt. And yeah. it's it's managed to uh cut down the number of championships I've had to have like a a number that'll fit on one hand. Right. Which so. which is a shame, but again, hey, Piper never ever had a world title. Right. Which, uh, not that he was a comedy character, but he was so so right. over as himself. So how did you guys approach this? How did they come to you and say, hey, we're going to get get you in the going in this direction? And then what conscious decisions did you have to make with that character? Uh, it they like to surprise you. Really, they do. Oh, <laughs> so you, you had you had no. It just but showed up. somebody but somebody spilled the beans early, like gotcha. a few days before. Somebody mm. said, uh, uh, "By the way, you're you're going over. You're, going you're, over. you're getting the belt." I went. I, I immediately began to panic. <laughs> Just absolute panic, and this was this was at the end of end of the Thursday show we do on After Buzz. Yeah, it's the end of the NXT show. So my buddy Mark's sitting next to me, and I say, "Oh, you're going over," and I got this knot in my stomach. I go, "Oh God, oh God!" And I show him, and he's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" And I'm just, I am freaking out. <laughs> I'm like, I am not ready for this. I really didn't think I was going to win it. Yeah, I I, uh, I was prepared not to because I I don't. Sure, again, <laughs> you don't. But I, I watched that match and the and the story leading up to it. it, it yeah, fans again, they got behind you and it made sense. Right, I was, I, but I was satisfied with mm-hmm. with the finish we had before. We did we did the finish where I won the belt and then it got reversed. 
And I was yeah. happy with that. I was happy with, with that being as close as I got. Mm-hmm. Because up to then, I'd never gotten a, a, a match for the championship. I had never had a championship match. Mm. And that was actually, that was, that was probably my favorite promo. If I could get that on tape, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I cut a promo against, it was Nick Madrid yeah. and Ryan Taylor. And I got this promo against them. It was just me, the mic, and the camera. And I said, I I don't Nick Madrid was is a or was or is a heel yeah. and he got a, a match for the championship against a heel champion mm. and I I was pissed because he had done everything wrong being a heel he he'd come out and he'd beaten people up when he wasn't supposed to he'd gone against the yeah. the authority of the company and he still gets a title shot I was completely <laughs> shocked by that and I and I I made my case and I said this is about justice this is about right and wrong and I'm gonna. I'm going to beat you, and then I'm going to get a title shot. I, or I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to get a title shot, but I'm at least going to beat you because that's you. all I have control over. And that's the story, and that's the core of the story. Yeah, Again. that was basically it. And then it started this huge, yeah. just big old snowball effect. The promo was so good that the audience – I didn't know this. It freaked me out. There was one line I used in particular. I said, this is hobo justice. I used in the promo – and somebody listened to the promo I cut and then sat in the audience. Right. So the day I cut the promo, the audience starts chanting Hobo Justice. And I began to freak out. I'm like, how do they know I said that? How do they know? And in the ring, I'm looking at Taylor going, I don't know how they're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's great, man. That's how wrestling works. That's how it catches on. Little things that fans will gleam on to. It's um, surprising. Uh, let me ask you, so as competitive and as uh, the, the pro wrestling world is and, and long do you have long-term plans in it or do you just i just want to do this just for a do. living gotcha. i want to make money doing this yeah i don't want a day job yeah i just want to make money doing this so how do you approach that again you're a pretty confident guy in what your abilities are but i know overall you like the rest of us you might struggle with inspiration or direction at times so how, yeah. how are you approaching this? i don't have a whole lot of confidence all i know is i have a belt <laughs> now. now i mean that means something you can make that into something especially the company that, that yeah. it's a it's for is a is a bigger company it's connected to other companies so i'm mm-hmm. figuring if i can manage it then i can take this on the road and appear in other yeah. smaller towns as the champion from hollywood right and push Who's that and hit the road full time and i a, a true wrestling that. hobo i want that it, well, so how are you going to get the you, – you, t- you say you don't have confidence, and it's a weird dichotomy. And listening yeah. to you, here's someone who shows up and goes, oh, I can make whatever character uh, you want me to, to be work. I'll be the best of that character. Yeah. You don't say it arrogantly. You just say it as a point of fact. Oh, I know I can do that. Yeah. You say you struggle with confidence. Where, uh, what's with that dichotomy? Where does that come from? Uh, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Let's solve this. Right. I mean I, I think about it often. I do have a degree in psychology. Oh, um, no, that means you're one of those deep thinkers. Yeah, I am. Uh, you, you outthink yourself. <laughs> it's just a, a problem at times. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's one of those things, confidence mm-hmm. kind of comes and comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm i one of those guys who blames himself for everything that I'm unable to accomplish, but I mm-hmm. can't accept the good things that happen, like... If I if I take all the credit for the bad things, then yeah. the good things are just luck, and I can't I can't right. accept it. So do you do you ever look? Maybe it's not just in wrestling. You, acting. All right. So you talked about you got this lead part in this play, yeah. and you were you're do you do you give yourself credit for that? 
Yeah, I do. Again, that was that was sort of a that point was luck. Of, so no, it was that was actually a point of arrogance, um, because it, it was for my my wife's uh, theater company that she runs, Red Brick Road Theater. Right. And they were trying to cast uh, the Edward Albee play, the play about the baby, mm-hmm. and it's a weird show. It is mm-hmm. deeply weird. And they were trying to find somebody to to play the man. That's okay. all he is. He's just the man. The man. And. Uh, they they had been auditioning people, but nobody had it right. And Emily said, Emily, who's my wife, said, uh, "Why don't we try Brandon? Mm. Because he he might be able to pull this off." She saw something in me that oh, you uh, guys, yeah, <laughs> she saw something in me that really pushed me to the forefront. And then okay. I I sort of I, I mean I don't want to say I auditioned because it was like, well, we don't really have anywhere else to go, so it's probably going to be you. Why don't you just read this? And I read it, and I got it, and I sort of knew I was just going to get it right off the bat, but I didn't quite understand the the breadth of the difficulty that was going to be involved mm. in this. Mm. Um, it's it's a huge part. Yeah, it's a monstrous part uh, with monologues that don't go any anywhere linear. They sort of go and then turn and then go and then turn, and they mm. just they, you have to. You have to figure out how to do it, and I put all of my time and energy into it. And I took a break from wrestling. Yeah, I, I remember you had a, you met him a couple of our shows. MPW, yeah. yeah, I just took a break uh, because I I felt I needed it at the, at the time. Yeah, rest your body, anyways. You know, right, well. right. Um, and I just I threw myself at that, and I I was <laughs> my mom was talking to me about this. She said uh, we had a, a read through at her house. Mm-hmm. And she's like, man, they. She saw the other people walk in. There's only it's only a four person cast. Gotcha. And she saw the other three people walk in that I was going to be working with, and and they're like real actors. And she was like, oh man, Brandon's in such big trouble. <laughs> These are like actual actors. And he's, he's in over just, his head, right? And uh, but she's like, I was watching you, and eventually you just carried them. Well, <laughs> you carried right. them through through the rehearsal. And into the performances, I just, I, I got this guy mm. and it was, it's a unique show to go and do, um, because I would get in the audience's face and right. like yell at them and curse at them. Right. And it, it was so much fun. And that's part of the reason why they picked me is because I have that, there's that wrestling thing where yeah. you are with, with the audience. You are you're in the afraid. audience. You're not face. afraid of them. Yeah. No. And you don't freeze. Yeah, you learn how not to freeze when looking into somebody's eyes. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I didn't, and that, in that way, I drew the audience in, and I could get them to be a part of this. And at the, at the, the best moments, mm. I wanted to make them feel like hostages, and I did, and it was great. You had a lot of fun with this. Then I, I mean, it, it was, a, it. it's a heel character, right. and I don't ever get to do that. You don't get to so be a heel hobo. The moment, the moment I get to play heel any other time, I'm yeah. just, I am. Buggin. <laughs> so what is I'm, I'm listening to you talk about this acting. I know you in wrestling so much, and and this Brandon guy. Is this it seems like this quiet, polite. You're a great locker room guy, by the way, which is why <laughs> Dan you. and I love you so much. You're a great guy, a great presence in the locker room. Um, I as a performer too, I get it. There's there's Radio Ken. There's different voices I have and different personas. And Real Ken hates himself and sits in his room <laughs> playing, playing with Star Wars toys. Yeah, um, I have Transformers. So Transformers, okay. Autobots roll out. <laughs> so I'm 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 so in, in, 
just captivated by the differences of you. This, yeah. This this actor at this hard show, this this amazing talent in the wrestling ring, and this, this real quiet guy. It, also, the fact that you're married. Uh, you probably haven't heard all my episodes here in the Napsack Files, but I'm fascinated by people who are brave enough to get married. Yeah. Um, so take take who is Brandon? I'm I'm really good at compartmentalization. Oh, obviously, yeah, like yeah. so I, I can break down complex things into very very simple stuff, right. and I can be who I need to be to approach different problems. Okay, and that's just who I am. I can change myself to fit the needs, the needs of the the needs of the situation, yeah. or, or the needs of the person there. Or uh, yes, you're like some kind of mastermind criminal here. What do we? A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. There's there's always that that diabol- danger. Yeah, I sort of I, I figured out though at a young age, like I could go either way. <laughs> I could go and I could use my powers for good, yeah. or I could just slip and just be you a could really turn to the bad dark guy. side of the force. Yeah. Um, so, but you mentioned again that you, you said you don't have confidence. That baffles me. One, I'm glad you're you're not an arrogant guy. You mentioned you're acting. You had a point of arrogance, but you're not an arrogant guy. No, I, I mean, know you're not. In private, I am. In private, well, okay, especially talk, talking to Emily, I can be very arrogant. <laughs> okay, she's like, you should you should do this or you should do that, and I'm like, I don't want to do that. But you're so good. I know I'm good. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's even another wrinkle then. But yeah. there's a layer of, of uh, lack of confidence in some things. In what particular areas? Just the things that I want. In <laughs> things I want to do, Yeah. Um, I'll lack confidence because I don't think I'll be able to achieve the heights that I want to achieve. But if I don't care about what I'm doing, then there's no way I'm going to let myself down. So I don't care. Uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But uh, so like, yeah, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's as simple as a fear of success, but talking about wrestling. So say say you, you get a, an NXT audition or something like that, yeah. a tryout or something goes on like that, it, you may think, oh, I, I might not be ready for that. Or how, how does it's, that go? It's actually not a fear of success. It's a, it's a perfectionist mentality. I'm okay. a perfectionist. So if I don't achieve perfection, anything else is garbage and I can mm. live with it. And you get really down on yourself yes. then? Not just yeah. angry, just down? No, angry too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, got, I've got some anger issues and a, a depression is anger turned inward. Uh, very smart, so yeah. it's, it's just, it, it all is. Yeah. It's all the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just where you point it. And you do so much at some point. I mean, you mentioned coming in there, you're, you're a little rundown and exhausted too, because you you are got your hands in a lot of things. Yeah. And because you're nice and popular, like here, even I'm demanding you come talk to me. <laughs> this isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you turned down my offer of wh- whiskey like a smart man, uh, or else this would really if you, if you had shoot. if you had gin or good beer, you would have had me. <laughs> I did not have good beer. Yeah, that was key. Um, so let's let's talk about the path to success in wrestling then. Yeah. Um, and how, how how do you want to approach it? How do you want to get to that next level then? That's that's where I'm sort of having trouble. Is I want to get there. I just don't know necessarily the mm-hmm. the uh, what I need to do in order to get there. Mm. Um, I'm talking a lot with Dave Marquez, who yeah. who knows who knows everybody. He's yeah. basically connected to everything. Yep. And hopefully through there, he'll start to talk to people for me. And uh, I've talked to a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
recently who said, hell yeah, I would quit my day job in a second to go wrestle on the road because they're basically not making yeah. a tremendous amount of money where they are. So they wouldn't be losing anything necessarily as, mm-hmm. as I wouldn't. I'm not making the best money at my day job. So I really don't have anything in particular to lose mm-hmm. except for maybe health insurance. But that's about it. Health insurance. And, and your wife is obviously very supportive of your career choice. Yeah. Um, she yeah. was the one who sort of got me to do this. Okay. Um, I... I saw that there was a school. I saw online. I always, I always looked. I always mm-hmm. looked to see if there was some sort of school, and I saw that that there was a school in Van Nuys, and they had a two for one special, mm-hmm. which was perfect. Then I could bring my my buddy, um, and so I I talked to Emily, and she said yes, definitely go, and we went, and we enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and then they said, here's how much you pay <laughs> for a class. And I mean, he and I looked at each other and said, "There is no way, no way. that unless we like rob a bank, there's no yeah. way we can pay for this." And I knew that, and so they they started to call me back, and I just I didn't answer the calls because I was like, "Well, what am I going to say? I'm sorry, but we don't can have the money spot for me? that, <laughs> right?" Um, but then Emily said to me, "Why don't you just tell them you'll work for them?" And okay. I I didn't have a job at the time, mm-hmm. and um, it seemed like. Such a such a far fetched idea. It's so simple, mm-hmm. but like it's so stupid in its simplicity. Like yeah. I'm just going to tell them I'm going to work for them, and they'll take that instead of money. Okay, okay, sure, that's fine. What is this 1870? Right, <laughs> yeah. right. And lo and behold, I tell them and they bit. Like, <laughs> they fell for it. Right. Nice. Like, I'll work for you. And they said, okay, we're, we're starting up right now. We actually could use some guys who are going to work for us. Gotcha. So go for it. And so I, I didn't pay much mm-hmm. to start wrestling, to, to basically learn the craft. I didn't pay much at all. I just did whatever needed to be done. And that was it. And that was all Emily's idea. So I wouldn't be here without her. That's great. That's that's true love. Then yeah. How long have you guys been together now? No, that's seven years. Seven years. Yeah. And then married for almost one. Our anniversary right. is Sunday. Oh, that's that's the thirteenth, right? Uh-oh. No. Oh. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> I know that it's it's October thirteenth. I have no. It's the sixth. So in in a week. Yeah. Today's Monday. In a week, it'll be my one-year wedding. In fact, yeah, because uh, didn't you miss the final MPW show because yeah. you were getting yeah, married? Yeah, I did. And it was Actually, tragic. It was, it was the last day of of uh, my uh, uh, the thing where you go after you get married. Oh, honeymoon. The, uh, the honeymoon. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. the last day. So we I, we, we would have had to hustle to <laughs> get back. And I remember we were, we were just we heard and we're like, well, good for him, but damn it, we wanted him around for that final right. show. Yeah, um, I did want to be there. Yeah. Well, well hey, things are in the. Mm, Sooner than later, we'll get back. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. Take me through this marriage thing. I am fascinated by guys who are smart enough to commit and and get somewhere in a relationship. And it seems like, again, from the surface, it's very supportive. And again, I get every marriage or relationship has issues in its right. work. And I'm not here for the fairy, no, fairy tale. It's, it's work, man. It's um, really a lot of work. But that's what that's what scares guys like me. Um, the, the work itself, man. So, so – d- I'm trying to get into that mindset, man. Yeah, um, we uh, it took work for us to stay together, just right off the bat. Mm. She, uh, 
when we first started dating, mm-hmm. she was going to school up in Stockton. Mm-hmm. She came back for summer break. You were a three hundred pound ape. Yes, I was an I was an animal, <laughs> and she is so little. That was yes. part of the reason I lost the weight. Was the the size difference to between even up. us is just ridiculous. Yeah. Even still, even now, I'm one hundred and ninety two pounds today. I still do, just she so small in comparison. Um. Uh. So. I just got out of a bad relationship. Mm. That was uh, that was a two year relationship, and it was it sucked and was stupid. But I didn't feel like I had anywhere else to go. Gotcha. So I'm a guy who will commit right off the bat. Right there, you're yeah. there. Because I I want a partner. I want somebody who's there for me. Because I for a while I didn't feel like I had anybody like that. Gotcha. Um, so I I wanted a partner, and I would commit to anybody, which was. A, horrible mistake but it it primed me perfectly for going into a relationship with my mm. now wife because mm. she treated me really well right so it it made the good even better ah <laughs> uh, yes and um it i why we were into each other uh, we mm. we've actually known each other since we were like nine really yeah. i did not know that aspect yeah. of it there's a lot of this is why I had you on. I'm learning that. So what, what circumstances? Did it, was it a consistent from nine till then? Or? No, it, we knew of each other. Yeah, we went uh, we we went to the same temple together. Gotcha. Um, and I knew I worked with her mom, hmm. and we we sort of kept in touch. We went to uh, we went to homecoming. Excuse me. <laughs> we went to homecoming. It was it'll be ten years ago. Uh, mm. I think this Halloween, okay. which is we're coming up, is pretty funny. Yeah, um, because I actually she still has the dress she wore to that homecoming, and I had her try it on. She was convinced it wouldn't fit, and it's actually big on her. <laughs> Ten years of difference, nothing's changed. Really? Yeah. Meanwhile, your tuxedo probably you're swimming in it. Oh now, my god! Right? Yeah, I don't I don't even own a tuxedo now that's fitting at all. Yeah. So. Um, we, we started dating, we liked each other, we wanted Mm. to keep it going. Um, and it was hard because she was up at school and we managed to keep it going past that. So Mm. right off the bat, it was work to Mm -hmm. stay together, Mm -hmm. to stay a pair. It was, it was hard, hard work. Um, and like I said, we had that rocky point and then we managed to get over that. Yeah. And then it was stronger than ever. And there was no doubt that we were 100% committed to each other and Mm -hmm. that we were going to just, there was, there was no, there was going, there's not going to be a point where one of us just wakes up one morning and goes, this isn't working. Right. Because we talk so much. I was going to ask, how, how key is the communication in that working through things? 100%. Yeah. That's, and that's all we did while she was at school was all we could do was talk yeah we talked on the phone and occasionally we talked on the computer through skype gotcha but that was when skype was relatively new and pretty shaky yeah um but so it was just on the phone and that's all we did so our communication started off really strong it had to be gotcha right and it's it's had its moments where it could be stronger i'm not the most communicative communicative guy in the world uh, that's just a nice family trait that I inherited. 
And I'm, I figured that out. Do you sulk in the ago. corners a lot, or you just you just just dead silence? Just yeah, you know that strong silent type. Yeah, I got that's, yeah. That's me. I'll be in car rides for two hours and maybe say a word. Right, and the word is uh, um, we're here. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so that's that's about it. Uh, but the communication is the yeah. most important thing in the world. So that's here. here uh, this is why I, I appreciate you sharing this part of the story and how it was work and it was a long term process. Uh, it wasn't love at first sight necessarily. It, it, for her, it was. For her, for her, it's okay. the fairy tale, which is that's pretty great. funny. That's awesome. She she had always uh, she had, even when she was a little little girl, she she saw me and she was like, "Oh, I get love him! I love him!" Here. Yeah, really, get out of here. Yes, that's she, if absolutely she only true. knew you'd turn into a hobo. But <laughs> she loved me when I had a, a pomegranate mohawk for Christmas. Loud. She loved me when I was an ape. She's pretty much she loved me from afar. The yeah, majority of her that's interesting existence. So for you, it was a more of a journey and a journey for her as well. Then yeah, that's that's fascinating. So she's living the dream essentially, yeah. which is like. <laughs> You have some really fucked up dreams. <laughs> if this is your dream, you are. There's that confidence issue again yeah, coming into play. Oh, man. You're looking in the mirror and seeing that, <laughs> uh, like, which I understand. Wow, that's awesome. So it was like love at first sight for her, mm-hmm. and she had to stick with it to make yeah. make you understand. She was just too bookish for me to start. Right. Yeah, she was just, she was quiet. She was really little, and mm-hmm. she still is, and she was just really quiet. And I guess that was just her being nervous, but I didn't know that. I took yeah. it as being disinterest. That's why yeah. we didn't start start dating when we went to the sophomore homecoming dance. Like I, I was interested, but she was quiet, which I took yeah. as being. She's like, I guess I'm she's just like a guest tonight. Yeah. that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> just accompanying her, right? So that's that's whatever. And so we went our separate ways, and then we. Got back together later, and then she had grown quite a bit, yeah, um, physically. And then, well, yeah, <laughs> not too much, not to too much, but kind of in all the right places. Yeah, I get you, <laughs> um, I get you. And but in in confidence too, she had grown quite a bit. And really, so she she was just way more open. That's uh, I love that she had been. That, that is a long term love story. Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say that the comment was, "Hey, it's maybe it's not love at first sight because you had to kind of." At what point did you did you work to? Hey, this is we're going to be together. This is it, and all this communication and everything. But for her, she was like, "No, nine years old, that guy." Yeah, but it didn't stop her from trying to pursue other points of interest or sure. other people. But uh, well, that, in I, back of my mind, in back of her mind, it, I even it was, have there was me. Even more respect for her. Still, yeah. man, she's still like gonna she's she's gonna pace it. She's gonna pace herself. Yeah, marathon, not a sprint. Exactly, She's getting there. Exactly, this is this is the long ball. This is the long game <laughs> we're playing here. Just we're going to be alive for a long time. Sixty medical minute science Iron Man anything. match, man. Yeah. Sixty yes. minutes, two out of three falls here, and each minute feels really long. Mm. And the years pass. <laughs> so I, I mean, I love to hear it, and again, I joke about. Uh, commitment of marriage and all that yeah. stuff, but it's also it's a running theme. And Dan Farron, if he's listening, I know Dan always laughs and jokes about my uh, obsession and fascination with other people's marriages um, and how they work. But yeah, I've seen her. I've, the Hobet, Hobet, yeah. right? She'd come out as your, your valet. She said she would one. She would again this year, yeah. and the year is starting to come to a close, as I predicted. So she's got some well, some short time before she has to we'll make provide, good on her word. Well, we'll provide an opportunity good. for her in 2015 good. with the return. <laughs> well, it won't be MPW. It'll be something else. Um, let's get back to the path of success in wrestling. It's not always necessarily WWE, but do you yeah. have that insight? I, wanted, I, I always wanted to go to WWE, but then 
it was sort of recently I just went, there's no way. There's mm. no way Which I'm going to make it there. Could be realistic because of right. what they're sometimes looking for. Sure, sure, I'm sure. Not, I'm not on their radar at all. Even yeah. with the their gear change going for smaller guys yeah. and guys who are just going to generally make them money. Yeah. And that's that. to me, that's the smart game for them. They mm-hmm. aren't so much on size anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, still, I'm not anything they're looking for. And unless I make a make a big splash somewhere somehow, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get looked at. So if I want to actually make money, I'm going to have to make money someplace else. Mm-hmm. And if WWE wants to talk to me, they can talk to me. I right. I keep trying to drop lines in the water. I've met Canyon, mm-hmm. who's the main hiring guy for them, and well, boy, that was fun. Um, <laughs> I, I sort of met him spur of the moment, which which was uh, not a surprise. I knew I knew I was going to meet him mm-hmm. and have sort of a, like a miniature tryout uh, with uh, Brian Kendrick's school, which yeah. I was training at. Um, and he comes in and he watches us do our thing, and then he talks to us for a minute. I don't remember what he said, mm-hmm. but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anything more than generic, you know, stuff they spit at you. Right. But he was talking to the tallest guy in the room, like. Sp- directly talking to him we were all sort of around there but i just kept looking at him and looking at the tall guy and looking at him and looking at the tall guy and going he doesn't give a fuck about us we could may as well just disappear we could burst into flame right now he would not care yeah we're just not what he's looking for that's that's it man Paul uh, Logan X uh, once told me he was there when, uh, like, they walked in. Bruce Pritchard, I think it was Pritchard, walked into UPW. And I think it was Heidenreich. Yeah. And he didn't even see him wrestle. He just looked at him and went, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the part that drives me crazy yeah. about this business. Is- so you're going to have to do it. The, you're going to have to do it the hard way. But, again, what I, my point was WWE is not the only path to success in this business. Although it is. It's the it's, biggest. It's the easiest. It's the easiest, sure. You can just get I mean, sign, sign a contract sign the dotted line and now yeah. you're actually making yeah. money and they hook they hook up all your bookings and all that and that yeah. I would love that because my hustle sucks I don't know how to get booked because I'm not uh, I'm not very open is it that confidence thing or is it's, it is it's it... half confidence and half uh, just not knowing how to talk to people I, I don't know very well I get it I've but, been in this town 20 years yeah. never had a manager agent or a headshot you know what I mean because like, yeah. I'm like well why would anyone want me yeah <laughs> that's my thing but I just don't know how to do that hustle totally know where you're coming from yeah. but I know I've, I know I've got something and I can make it big like mm-hmm. I there was I, I wrestled a match in Flagstaff Arizona uh, which is sort of middle of nowhere and nobody yeah. knew me but I cut a promo at the top of the show, and then I wrestled semi-main. But mm-hmm. it, ter- it turned out to be basically the main event, and I was over, ridiculously yeah. over. People and love I thought, you, man. I thought to myself, I could take this to any small town in the country. Mm-hmm. I would have the same reaction because I know how to get over. Mm-hmm. I just know. I mean, you have guys there. Do you talk to Pierce about this? you talk to those guys? you got all world warriors there? You know? it's, it's hard to talk to them because I don't want to— my my biggest fear, mm-hmm. my biggest thing holding me back is I don't want to be the guy who just asks for hookups, and yeah. I know I'm not. And I I hear this from multiple people. You're you're like the nicest guy in the world. You have nothing yeah. to worry about. But I don't want to be that guy who's just a pariah because mm-hmm. I know too many of them, and it makes yeah. me paranoid. I don't want to be that guy who's just gonna suck up whatever somebody gives and not give anything back. This almost sounds a little bit like your perfectionism here. Yes, <laughs> it's like you yes. know you want to approach it perfectly. Right in the locker room, if I can't do it perfectly, um, hmm, yeah, uh, that's. Uh, 
That's uh, it's it's really it's because it's, it's tough. there. Yeah, and I just have to. I have to have faith in the idea that I'm I'm not just sucking up other, what other people are are giving out. That I am right. giving back. That I am a legitimately nice guy, and that people like me. And maybe that's the Gosh, other part that's hard to believe. Like people like me. Yeah, that's, that's as hard they to should. Believe. As they should. That's just weird, though. <laughs> Why is that weird? Uh, that that, what, that again is the that the lack of confidence thing. Like it's I'm, accepting that thing, right? I, and I you can't uh, accept the good. And understood. I, I'm learning, and I'm I'm yeah. getting I'm way better than I was. But boy, is it taking time to accept those compliments. You going, are, Thank you. What are you? Mid twenties. I'm 26. 26 now. Yeah. Oh, man, you're getting older. I met you when you were like 23. <laughs> yeah. 22, 23. Uh, yeah, but you're going to find the person you are at 25 is not the person you are at 30, the person you are at 35, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. At 38, I'm way different than I was at 35. Um, so you've got the, the – physically, you hit your peak, and you're you you know you're not there yet, I don't think. But you know, you're, you've know got a little time limit is my point in wrestling. Right. You can't figure this out at 40. Right. Um, That's but, why I'm, I'm worried that more time is passing than I have to lose. And by the time I figure it out, it's going to be too late. <laughs> Look, a little bit, but you're still young enough to where, right. you know, at if 30, I, you could still. Maybe if know. I if I keep going, if I stick it out, I'll figure yeah. it out by the right time. Like, yeah. this is my fifth year, and if I feel like I'm just starting to really hit my stride. But you know what uh, I love to hear? I love to hear that you want it. Yeah. As a fan of yours and a fan of someone who watches you on TV and in the ring and as a fan of yours from someone who, who you know, co-ran a locker room and, and uh, wanted you in every show for the, the presence you brought as, as a fan of you, Brandon, yeah. the hobo, I'm glad to hear that you want this because yeah. you, you're good at it. You're damn good at it. <laughs> Thank you. And maybe you're damn good at acting, too, and you could go pursue that route. But when I, I – uh, that's my. I approach the acting question mm-hmm. the same way every time, no matter who's acting. When I or asking, mm-hmm. when I'm old and I am broken, then I will consider acting more, <laughs> because then I cannot wrestle any longer, and yeah. I st- I'll probably still need to perform because it's an outlet for my emotion and other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll I'll need it, and I'll probably turn to acting more at that point. What's have you suffered any serious injuries yet? Couple, su- couple separated shoulders. Uh, okay, that's right. uh, this one most recently, mm. my my left one. Okay. Um, that was in match. That was that was rough. Mm. Um, but it went it went back in pretty easy. It wasn't a big big <laughs> separation. Well, it was uh, Johnny Laquasto. Yeah. Uh, was backstage, and I came back after the match, and I told him it's out, it's out, and he just went like he pushed my shoulder from the front and back and yeah. I, I just felt it slip right back in and the, so it was that for those, easy for those and i hope to get him on the, on my show here too and jenna laquasta was a great host he's a great comedian he's a, a great wrestling reporter and, and a ring announcer and, and and color man and uh he's also a great physical therapist yeah this is a multi-dimensional man he helps a lot of wrestlers another so. one of those guys who does it all he yeah. does everything and, he's and, very and, good at it and like you a very liked and likable man so. yeah yeah. Um, yeah, but so so yeah, I guess the point me you're not too beat up. No, so. um, but every everything that happens, I I sort of learn from it, and I've learned mm-hmm. uh, to not turn to alcohol, to not turn mm-hmm. to pills to solve anything. I I just I work everything out myself. I don't mm. I don't even take ibuprofen very often. Really? Yeah, I I have a very high threshold for pain, um, which is helpful, but also probably hurts me because I don't. 
a lot of times I don't know how hurt I am yeah. until after the fact. I've broken my nose a couple of times, mm. and I didn't know it until Till afterwards. After. So, See, this is yeah. why I was a manager and you were a, a worker, because I took one bad bump uh, and hurt my back. I take ibuprofen every morning. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I get worried that I'm that I, I'm going to start slowing down, so True. I will intentionally spring out of bed in the morning. Like I will, I will almost jump out of bed to prove that I've st- I'm still good, baby. Still I'm got still it. got it. Still got it. I don't think I've ever sprung out of bed, even <laughs> as a kid. So you're proving something to yourself. Um, but yeah, man, I, I we got to get you on this path of success, and you already are. You're on that path, and all, five years is a long time, but five years is a short time. No, five years is nothing in right. the long term. I, right. I mean, I'm meeting guys who've been doing this for 15 years, who've been yeah. doing this for 20 years. It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Let me go back to the beginning uh, quickly as we as we close here in a few. But uh, Katz, Ryan Katz, yeah. how was it to learn from that madman of wrestling? It was completely different than anybody else. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't quite know at the time how different it was. Mm-hmm. But just over time and hearing how other people got broken into the business and how he broke you in and his ideas versus other people's ideas, mm-hmm. you just figured that this there's nobody is like him around or no ever, anywhere, anywhere. No nobody one. is like him. And so you just and he's got this infectious enthusiasm. He's smiley. He is smiley. And so you just, you gravitate. His yeah. ideas are crazy. They're crazy. And they don't seem like they're going to work. But he's always on to something. And he's proving that in WWE. He's, his ideas are good ideas. And yeah. they are going somewhere. Yeah. Even if you can't prove it or you can't predict it. You yeah. just have to listen and f- try and flesh it out as best you can. Yeah, well, he... he um he had, he had such a long career in XPW and all that kind of stuff, but I was getting back into the business, and I, I, I was in it for a very cup of coffee in 2001, 2002, and I, I didn't, you know, I just was MPW with Paul, jump-started my career that way. So I, I, I know of the old school way and this, and then I come in 2010, I meet this guy, Kat, GQ Money, and it's like, He's got like the first event I went to. He's got wrestlers cooking food, based ah, on their the dinner and tournament. Dinner and tournament. <laughs> he's got these this three arc sh- uh, trilogy of stories. Yeah. He was just making it entertaining and throwing character out there. So then about a year or so later, when I'm a little bit more into the booking of MPW, it was like we looked at all of his guys because they had character. Yeah, they had point of view, and I give a lot of credit to Cats for that. And clearly. He, he tells you, be a hobo, yeah. and you take yeah. it and run. So um, it was a fascinating w- way to learn wrestling, I'm sure. He's uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of ridiculous. He was a guy who never got enough credit uh, for anything that he did. And yeah. he was ahead of his time in a lot of things a lot of circumstances and instances where mm-hmm. he had a great idea. It was a really genuinely good idea, but it wouldn't take off because the timing wasn't right. right. And I would tell him this, uh, just watching, I'm like, you've got a great idea. Mm-hmm. You just need to wait. And mm-hmm. th- things would change or circumstances would change. And it just wouldn't work out. Yeah. And I was, I was worried that he would never get the credit that he deserved. Sure. But now that he has it, I'm very happy that he has it. Well, he's someone I, I and I wish I could grab him from Orlando and get him on the phone to talk sometimes because he's got to come back this way eventually. Eventually, <laughs> he was someone who I first couple of years I met him, you know, not not floundering, but had was at a crossroads in his life, and then all of a sudden 
kicked it into high gear, worked his ass off, and look where he is now. He's he's doing great over at associate producing and everything on NXT. So um, that's something too. Uh, where I look at myself, like a couple years ago, I was like, I'm floundering. I got to kick it into gear. Yeah. Um, so that you've got time to kick it into gear. Not that you haven't already, my friend. There's another gear. There's another, <laughs> there's another gear. gear left to be left we, to be explored. And I think the key is to know that you have that gear. Yeah. And to go find it. And yeah. I think you're going to find it. I hope so. I really I'll do. be blowing that train whistle in your honor. <laughs> yes, I can. Of course, you're you're doing over uh, the hosting over at AfterBuzz too. How'd you get into that? You just following because Laquasto or no? I was with uh, Ryan Klum, who was there for That's right, Klum. not too long. And of course, Smiley had done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I Smiley never brought me in. I think it was he was mm-hmm. worried about nepotism or something like that. Yeah. Um, so he never he never brought me in. But Klum saw an opening. When uh, when their resident wrestler uh, was away in Japan was Alex mm. Kozlov, That's right. who was a great wrestler, um, and he was he was not liked the most on After Buzz, mm. but that that was mostly because people didn't understand his sense of humor. Got I it. found him hilarious and would sit beside him in tears because he he's cracked me up. Yeah, um, but I I sort of snuck in when he was off in Japan as he is quite often being sure. one of the one of the hottest tag teams in the Forever Hooligans mm-hmm. and um I just stuck around and people of course didn't know what to do the first time they saw me like yep. is this guy for real you kept in character what is going on and then I would I I'm, I'm on social media I do all the social media stuff so mm. as soon as the videos hit on Thursday mm. I'll start commenting a, a little less now just cuz I got busier sure but um uh, I I did then and I just I would talk to him and so I started this rapport and sort of built built that into more follows on Twitter yeah. more Facebook stuff and it's it just all sort yeah. of grows together that's how it I've really built the the social media aspect mm. of what I need to yeah, so you kind of won them over one comment at a time. And then they they figure out slowly that I'm much smarter than I appear. <laughs> yeah, well, I can understand. Yeah, in the, in the inter- internet age and comments on YouTube and all that stuff, yeah, when you're coming up there doing your, your hobo character and you're doing your gimmick and you're not breaking and you're bringing your boxcar championship cardboard belt and they're like, what? you know, just show us more Kathy Kelly. Who is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, you know? I think now we're at the point where they'll watch Kathy Kelly and then they'll listen to me a little bit more closely. <laughs> not, not taking anything away from Kathy. Kathy, Kathy learned wrestling well. She's she's a smart cookie. There's yeah. nobody like Kathy, but I'm I yeah. think I'm starting to get the the recognition that I'm not just this goofball. I'm actually yeah. I'm a student of wrestling. You really are. I'm, yeah, I'm trying very hard to <laughs> implement knowledge into this this void. Of uh, you know what you're talking about, even if you're talking about it in a weird hobo esque voice, right? I think it breaks it breaks the tension a little bit. You know, you don't want to listen to a know it all, but if you if you listen to it like a know it all who's a cartoon character, yeah. it makes it more entertaining for everyone. Well, I know Clum ran into problems because he would he was a wrestler, you know, and he'd say stuff and I go, yeah, we get it, you're a wrestler, Clum, and here, you know, you know, with you it was just like, what's this voice? But but then <laughs> your content won over. Right. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on with you, but I, 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 it true. was fun. We did the after. Oh. Oh Raw show. That was that did. was actually the I think one of the best shows I've oh, it was I've fun. with uh, you and Johnny and oh my god, that yeah. was great. We gotta that do was, it again. We gotta do it again sometime. Yes. So uh Brandon Taylor, aka the Hobo, it's been a pleasure learning all about you. I am fascinated um to know that uh, uh, Emily fell in with you at nine. I did that's uh, that's that's 
A lot of people find that very hard to believe. That's very storybook. It like, is. Are you kidding? I love like, that. Is this a joke? A lot of things I took away <laughs> from you. Um, and uh, where can they uh, follow you on Twitter and uh, engage in you in conversation with you? Uh, they can they can follow the hobo on Twitter That's at right. True Hobo. I don't make it too easy to find me. If yeah. you're following me on social media, you're talking to the hobo just right <laughs> off the bat. You're talking to the other guy. Don't expect me to acknowledge anything that goes outside of that man's <laughs> world. Um, so you can follow the hobo on Twitter at True Hobo. You can buy my shirt, his shirt at yeah. ProWrestlingTees.com slash hobo. Uh, Facebook is yeah. uh, Facebook.com slash hobo train. And uh, me and uh, my partner create wrestling comedy content yeah. on Soapbox Car TV on YouTube. Just uh, youtube.com slash Soapbox Car TV. There's a lot of ways to find him. Of course, you can catch him here uh, locally at uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, where he's yeah. currently the Heritage. What is the full title of that? It's the Hollywood Heritage Champion. Hollywood Heritage Championship. It's a, a great honor. Again, like I said, when a promoter puts a belt on you, you've earned it in some way. And Especially in a place like, like Los Angeles where yeah. your your viewing audience is so big yeah. and it's on national television. Like yes. This is kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah. I've tried to talk myself down from it, but it is a big deal. Well, it, it is, and I'm, I'm glad you allow yourself that. That yeah. moment. That's going to be one of those little working steps for you, Mr. Hobo. <laughs> little by little. Man. Little by little. Look in, the, look in that mirror and say, gosh darn it, I earned this title. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, the Knapsack Files. You can find us on Facebook at the Knapsack Files. Find me on Twitter at Ken Knapsack. That's Instagram as well. And uh, catch me in the Schmoes No podcast live every Thursday, 6 p.m. PST on the Schmoes No website, schmoesno.com. And Jedi Alliance, the podcast, uh, vodcast as it is, I host with Maud Garrett over the Schmoes No network where we celebrate Star Wars, the greatest saga ever told. This has been a fascinating and fun episode 50 of the Knapsack Files. So we will see you next time.